welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Taylor Rockwell. With me, once again, is the woman who knows all the things about all the things. It's Jordan Angeli. Jordan, thank you for being here once again. Wow, that's quite the info. I hope all my <laughs> my things are up to date. I'm curious, have you had any tea or how, how do you survive all these days where you're doing back to back to back to back podcasts? Uh, there's there's what's over here. I have green tea over here. I also have coffee mm-hmm. over here and I have water. So it's the triple combination. <laughs> yeah, I find it. I find Double it easy- caffeine and one hydrator. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, it, it's easier to do the shows because then it's just talking back and forth and you're having a conversation. Where I get into trouble is if I haven't had enough sleep and then I'm like, oh, well, watch a game in a comfortable chair and then suddenly nope. i've fallen asleep so yeah i nope. can't really do that i have to sit in an, in an uncomfortable chair or i have to sit like perfectly still and focused otherwise i'll fall asleep pretty quickly <laughs> that's that's more so the baby than i think it yeah, is the soccer so. yeah we'll, we'll give that to the baby <laughs> yeah i think I, I think i tweeted a while ago i like dropped something under my desk once while i was researching and i went to get it and it required me to like lay down and i fell asleep underneath my desk so yeah that's about how things are going but They were slightly more exciting last night for the U.S. women's national team, who handed Argentina a pretty decisive uh, defeat, Mm -hmm. thereby winning their second straight, she believes, cup. Uh, That's where I would like to start uh, with you, Jordan. It's their fourth victory in the competition uh, since it started, what, six years ago? Uh, I did a 101 episode about the competition, how it came to be, but I'm curious, do you think the players, like, are really... Like the celebrations last night, they seemed pretty muted. They seemed like, yeah, we're, we want it. That's great. It, it certainly doesn't seem to be as big as the World Cup or the Olympics, obviously. But for those players, do you think it feels like a tournament? Does it feel like a legit competition that they're the champions of? Yes. This year was a little bit different due to COVID. They had to switch the teams kind of last minute bringing Argentina in. So mm-hmm. I think that just the level of competition potentially just wasn't quite what it has been in the past. Yeah. But this is the thing with the U.S. Women's National Team is it doesn't really matter who they're playing. They are so eager to win everything. And when you put a cup or a trophy on the line, it's just that little bit of added in- incentive. So even though I do think they were muted last night in their celebration, it's not as if, you know, they would have been pissed if they didn't. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah. I think you have to look at the opposite side. So I do think that they're happy with the win. But point. I also yeah. think they leave this tournament knowing that, all right, there's some things we can sharpen up and we could potentially get better at. And there was was a couple of good tests, and we talked about those with uh, Brazil and Canada. But some stuff to learn from and get better when you go into a big tournament like they have this summer. So I want to talk about some of those big takeaways. I also obviously right. want to talk about the performance. For like From you, from covering this team, when it comes to a tournament like the She Believes, is there a player or are there a couple players on the team that you think tend to be more locked in all the time that sort of are like always in game mode, always in World Cup mode, even if it is just a friendly? Yeah, Julie Ertz is always that is not surprising. <laughs> always in that. I think you well, you actually texted me last night and mentioned something that she was doing. Yeah. And just how every single thing she really understands and and they all do understand it, but you have to also know in these types of games, I think we all see it. It's easy to get fall into a trap of not doing all the small things, right. When your opponent isn't of the quality that um, you are mm-hmm. and say, saying that the U S is such a high quality team that not a lot of people are on that same or not a lot of teams mm-hmm. are on that same standard, but Every single detail Julie Ertz knows is important. So if somebody doesn't make a certain run, she's going to tell you that. And I, I think her intensity in those moments 
and and Becky Sauerbrunn is the same way, I think, in a different way, not so much that uh, verbal mm-hmm. look in your eye and you can tell you've done something <laughs> wrong thing, but she will help and aid and guide as a captain and a leader on this team just to understand that every single moment, it doesn't matter who you're playing, how many goals you've scored or not scored, that it's important to the overall ability of this team to continue to get better. And as you said, like this was relatively weakened competition that the U.S. is playing against. There's always the expectation they're going to win. And to some extent, like people have asked, like we've been pretty, I think, positive in our reviews. And, and we've mm-hmm. got a few comments like, oh, you guys aren't critiquing them. And, and maybe that's fair. But for me, these games, it, it feels a little bit like it would be, we can nitpick and we can talk about some things we'd like to see improved or some things that we could see like evolve from here. But it's hard for me to see anything in these games and think like, oh, this team's in a lot of trouble. I see the writing on the wall. I don't. I, I'm assuming you're in the same position. So my question then for you is like, what would make you nervous when watching the women's national team? Is it a lack of goals? Is it infighting? Is it just like kind of complacency? Or, or what would it take for you to start to be a little bit nervous about this team? I think it would be. And when people are talking about that, I want to go back to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Is Really, it's the lack of finishing, I think, is what people were really talking about, yeah. is the the decision-making in the final third and the lack of finishing. And one of the things I really was thinking about is this team has been used to, over the course, really, of the U.S. Women's National Team, they're together once a month at least, at least, like clockwork. Mm-hmm. They're together, they're away. They know the rhythm. They train more than any other, I would say, international team on the planet. Men's or women. Yeah. They're that, that always is, yeah, together. That sounds about right. Yeah. So you have to understand that they were in this rhythm. And when you do that, you're establishing relationships within the group, within the, with the new coach, within little players on the field. And I think when that got broken last year, they're now kind of in this restarting that again from November until now. And so what they had going for years and years and years is now just restarting and there you can see things happening and moving and working together. But I think it's going to take a little bit for them to establish that rhythm and what they know of each other and the national team forever. That's why they're so good is because they have the opportunity to meet together and do all those, those camps all the time. So I think it's important to note that. But when I'm thinking about this team, the lack of goals don't scare me mm-hmm. because or doesn't scare me because we know they can score. We've seen that. We've seen them score so many goals. Yeah. So I'm not, and, and we know that the quality that they have up front and in the midfield, these players can finish and they have the right technique. What would make me nervous is if they were constantly being broken down in, uh, let's say they're in like a, a mid block mm-hmm. where they high press, they didn't get it. The other team keeps possession and they get into this mid block and the team is beating them breaking them down through the middle of the field and then potentially going straight into the attackers or into the channels and getting crosses off. I think if this team constantly would be getting broken down with the opponent having the ball, that would make me worried. Mm -hmm. Because after a certain amount of time, you give the opponent a certain amount of opportunities, somebody's going to, like at that level, somebody's going to put the ball away. But you don't really see that. Maybe they get broken down once and then they figure it out and they kind of sniff that out and say, okay, we have to shift Julie over here or Lindsay needs to be a little bit more connected to Julie so they can't play through the middle. You see them adapting on the fly, and that's what really impresses me because if the defense isn't there, that would scare me. The attack is going to come for sure. 
I think like that question comes. That's a great answer, by the way, and thank you for that. Uh, it, the question for me comes from watching this team and just thinking like this must be how like Germans feel when they watch the German men's team of just mm-hmm. like or maybe not more recently, but generally speaking, or like yeah. Brazil or one of those where it's like there's always that expectation you're going to win, and so. Yeah. If you only win one nil against a team that you should have beaten four nil, it it requires a lot of introspection, and you're going to get a bunch of different think pieces. And there is value to that if it's justified. But if it's just sort of like I don't know, complaining because Kristen yeah. Press should have scored one more, that's where I sort of like have yeah. a little bit of of difficulty. Not trying to criticize the people who do care about those things or are concerned about those things. Yeah, just trying to get my head around like why when I watch somebody like miss a sitter, like I think Christy Mewis probably should have scored one or two more. Uh, Kristen uh-huh. Press as well. And it still is like, but they're still in positions. They're still making the runs. I still see the connective play there that yes. to me, maybe it's a bad finish, but next time maybe it's not. Yeah, no, I I think you're right. If they're in the right positions, especially going forward, those last minute decisions or the connection that ends in a goal is those those things are going to happen yeah. with this team. That's not something that I worry about. I would more worry about the defensive side because when you get to a certain point and you are facing Germany, France, mm-hmm. Sweden, these teams who can break you down, I would be more concerned if yeah. defensively those principles weren't in place. All right. Well, let's talk about some things we did see last night. Uh, there were a couple things we talked about looking forward to when last we spoke. Uh, I think you wanted to see Jalen Howell get some minutes, uh, which she did. You wanted to see someone else get a chance in goal. I, th- I think Jane Campbell was back there. I think we saw her <laughs> maybe twice, once to accept her medal for winning. So not a lot of activity for her. Uh, we also saw Kelly O'Hara start it right back. She comes out 30 minutes in. That was planned. Casey Kruger on the left. So four changes there that we had discussed. What did you make mm-hmm. of those four? Uh, performers well I'm gonna start in the back so Jane Campbell I'm just bummed a little bit yeah I would have given her Brazil I would have given her just a game where you could say let's go here we go this is your opportunity go show us what you can do and have to make a couple of saves maybe it's just coming out on a corner kick and and getting the ball off of a cross or it's coming out when the ball goes through and Brazilian is coming at you I think I just didn't love that decision-making. I would have given her a game that challenged her a little bit more. But that that's how the cookie crumbles. So I played with a like very intense uh, person, usually in indoor, if we were uh, up by a few goals and our goalkeeper got a little complacent, he would turn and shoot at our own goalkeeper, which always felt like an odd decision and a little bit uh, erratic. <laughs> Do you feel like that's what the U.S. women should have done last night is maybe just turn and, and fire a few at Jane Campbell just to make sure she was still awake? Yeah, maybe. Maybe they should have. But at the end of the day, I feel like she had a perfect game and not a lot of people can leave saying that. So I'm going to give it to her. (laughs) And and I think, Taylor, you were about years as well. So I'm just going to go right ahead and talk about Kelly O'Hara. And I think that what we saw for 30 minutes with Kelly O'Hara at right back is the reason why she's starting right back for the U.S. Women's National Team. And there's a clear gap there between who is coming underneath her. And it was all about the decision she made when to step into that low block that Argentina was playing at times in that, that first 30 minutes and when to try to pull them out a little bit with her positioning and not run into that space too early to not only allow herself to time that run, but also allow the players in front of her, whether it's Rose Lavelle or Kristen Press, I believe was on that side, allow them to work the the channel a little bit. So I thought that, 
it was a really solid performance from Kelly O'Hara, even though it was 30 minutes. And what about Casey Kruger? Because to me, it, it felt like there have been lots of question marks around that left back spot. Should it be Crystal Dunn? Should we put somebody else there and let Crystal play further up the field? Sorry, I just did a JP Della Camera and referred to her by her first name <laughs> for reasons. Uh, what did you make of, of Casey's performance last night? Yeah, I always love when he drops into that because it does make him, we're like, he just knows everyone, right? He's been calling games for so long. It's like, okay, you can, you're the only one allowed to call people by their first names. Um, <laughs> I thought he did really well. I liked Casey Kruger. And, you know, I've always liked her as an outside back because she has an intensity. She's a really good 1v1 defender. And first and foremost, if you're going to play in that spot, I think especially going forward into a big tournament, it's, it's nice to know that you have that solid foundation of defending but she was instrumental in one of the goals, just stepping into space and cutting off a pass to be able to start that attack. And so I think she had really good decision-making. Again, difficult, and, and we noticed that the after the game, Waco Inanofsky said she was only prepared to play 45 minutes due to whatever. That's what she, she was scheduled to play. Maybe she had a little bit of a knock. Um, but I thought what she did with those 45 minutes she got a little bit higher on my list as far as outside back depth goes. Um, and what about uh, Jalen Howell in terms of the the four players that we had talked about who did get minutes last right. night uh, in an exciting way, I would say. Yeah, she did. And I think one of the things we noticed when I talked about it with Sophia Smith the other day too, and I thought I, I saw the same thing with Sophia Smith and with Jalen Howell is I'm glad they got minutes in this game because there's a little less pressure when your team is winning by so many goals. But the one thing is this U.S. Women's National Team, they, in order to come in and have a huge impact, you can't hide. And I think uh, Howell had a, a – her positioning, I feel like sometimes she was hiding in the midfield, maybe engaging the defender a little bit too much by running into that space and then almost running herself out of an area to create. There was a couple of times when she did connect and you got to see a little bit of her connection and her ability to link up passes, which was really great. But in that amount of time at that part in the game, I would have liked to see her pull off the midfield line a little bit more and at least create the space for herself. But how about the tackles? She got in a couple of tackles that yeah, were <laughs> gritty, huh? <laughs> Between that and her, uh, her awkwardness on uh, during the celebrations when she wasn't entirely sure why the camera was on her. That was that was pretty tremendous. Uh, I liked everything so I saw funny. from Jamie Howell. Uh, um, for, for <laughs> that folks, was so funny. Uh, for folks who don't know, like I feel like we, we, we've maybe talked about this in the past, but I just want to reiterate that uh, mm -hmm. Jordan uh, was a professional uh, soccer player. Uh, Jordan, for you, when you would sub in into professional games, like how different it was that for you from starting a game? Because I, I do have sympathy for yeah. players who have to come in, especially uh, Jaylene Howe, who's coming in for Julie Ertz, who's, as we've already talked about, doing mm -hmm. so many different things and running the midfield, but making tackles and linking attack and defense. And I feel like that would be a tremendous amount of responsibility to try to figure out on the fly. It's it's difficult and it really, it changes the level of difficulty depending on what situation you're coming into. I think last night, if you are Jalen Howell and you are getting only, uh, you know, one of your very few caps and you're going in for a Julie Ertz, there's some responsibility that comes with that. But I think she had Becky Sauerbrunn. You could see Becky kind of pointing her around and telling her where to go, which is nice to lean on. But for her, it's, 
it's a lot easier to go into that situation than to go into a situation when you're down a goal. And you almost, I just remember going into games, being down a goal and being that player that needs to go in and make an impact. And it's like you hit a, like you're trying to get up to speed so quickly and you feel like, all right, I didn't play all the game. I got to sprint everywhere and do all the work and make sure everything's done. So it's always interesting trying to manage the situation and meet the game where it's at, but also impact it in a way that is helpful for your team. So it's not easy. And I think it's, it's definitely not easy when you're talking about these younger players who haven't had a lot of experience um, at the pro level, if you're talking about Smith or at the international level, if you're talking about either Smith or Howell. And I think the only way they can do that is to continue to get into games. Like every, every player has had that feeling. So the more time they get, the more they'll feel like they can get integrated a little bit easier. Uh, so we talked about Casey Kruger, uh, who seemed, as I said, capable of holding down the left back spot, which is not at all controversially become Crystal Dunn's uh, place. Dunn has talked more openly mm-hmm. about uh, changing her role. The quote I saw was, I've always given a very soft answer of, I don't like playing left back, but I'm a team player. And all of that is so true. Uh, at the end of the day, I would play whatever position to represent my country. If it means playing outside back, then I'm game. But I also think it's important people realize that uh, what I deal with on a daily basis is very different than most players. I transform into a different player basically when I'm in this environment because I know my role is different. When I go to my club, I am almost feeling like more of myself. Um, Mm -hmm. That has been interpreted as like she slams the position and refuses to play there, which I don't think is is what she's saying. But I do understand the difficulty of it. I also understand on the flip side, the difficulty for Vlatko and trying to figure out Mm -hmm. where best to fit Crystal Dunn in a vacuum. If she is your first pick and you're putting her on the field, like regardless of who else is going to be on the team, where do you think she is best as a player positionally? I think she's probably best as a winger, but like a pocket winger Mm -hmm. where she can go outside and create in the channel and get a cross off and pick out a, I actually don't think her picking out the cross is always, she always makes the right decision, but she can beat players and allow for more options to then get in the box. So she has more ability Mm -hmm. to find that last player. But if she plays as a pocket winger, she can also be like an additional center midfielder, which I think her creativity on the ball and her ability to connect in tight spaces is one of the things that is uh, her strength. And so if you get her in the attacking half with players around her, she can solve situations. And so, and and then she can transition and counter press really quickly, which is key to the U S women's national team. So I would say maybe as a pocket winger, but all those, attributes that I just mentioned she still is able to do as an outside back so you are bringing someone with the recovery pace that she has into the back line with all those attributes as an attacker so I think it makes more sense of bringing another additional attacker on and still having Crystal Dunn's attacking capabilities from the left back if that Mm -hmm. makes sense to you it's it's like you get an extra yeah uh, bonus player out there <laughs> yeah it does it's it's a thing like because i understand where she's coming from and being played out of position yeah. is not fun and you do have to think about things differently if if it's in your nature to be a central midfielder or a forward and you're now being a center back it, you're just not as familiar so i get that what i keep going to is that there's just so much depth on this team that like we know she'll start at left back and and do a fine job and that allows other people to start as well that we maybe need i don't know if she is mm-hmm. if you put her up there is she like automatically starting over Megan Rapino or Kristen Press? I don't know the answers to those questions. I think Megan Rapino 
is a very good impact player. I think last night we sh- we saw that when she's combining with Carly Lloyd, she's still very, very good. So I just think that there's mm-hmm. so much strength that I struggle to figure out where else you put her aside from playing like a a three two five formation or something like that, which they could do. Why yeah. not go experimental? But aside from that, it's it's still a a conundrum in my mind. Right. That that's what I was thinking is almost like a wing back if you play three yeah. in the back. But I do think this team they morph into a different attacking mm-hmm. structure when they are going forward that it's almost as if she's a wing back at times as well. So I don't I don't know how much of that they really need to do as far as positioning goes with their starting 11. It it is, it's an interesting question. And one that I think a lot of people think about a lot and try to figure out where you put crystal Dunn. but I, I like her outside back. I know she, you know, it's not her first position that she would prefer, but man, she also knows she can crush it there. And she's proven that. She has. She's also proven that she can speak pretty well extemporaneously. I don't think Vlatko could take, like too much frustration from that. It's not like she said, he doesn't get me. He doesn't know what he's doing. Right. But in your experience, when a player does sort of speak publicly about not wanting to play a position or not always enjoying it, like how does, how does the manager interpret that? Like how, maybe not even Vladko necessarily, but for, just from your playing days, I feel like some coaches mm-hmm. are okay with that and are okay. Okay. With the critique, but that's for me at like college and amateur level, professional would be Mm -hmm. a a different thing because there's just more attention. There's going to be more eyes on it. It's going to get more clicks. It maybe calls your authority into question. How how do you think that makes the manager feel of Latko? How does he respond to that basically? Well, from what I have seen from him, even I I think it was last camp, Crystal texted him and said, there's a lot of defenders in this camp and (laughs) texted him with like a winky face or something. What I heard and and I really liked that because it shows that there is some banter there that she can talk to him like, hey, you know that I want to play forward. But also, I think at the end of the day, she truly does respect mm-hmm. the decision that he makes. And she really does want to help this team in whatever way she can. So I, I think with certain managers, it, it might be completely different. But with Vlaco, it seems already that he has this uh, – camaraderie with the team where there is this level of respect, but they also can um, maybe say what's on their mind and Mm -hmm. say, Hey, I'd like to try this or what have you, have you thought about this and have a discussion over it? Cause having that uh, ability to have those types of conversations with your head coach doesn't happen often. And if you can open that up, who knows, it could present a possibility where Crystal Dunn does find herself in more attacking situations come bigger games I, I don't know yeah but I, I like that I like that they can't have those mm-hmm. types of conversations no I think that's that's a fundamental importance especially at national team level I think where where you are even if the United States is is training and seeing each other more than most national teams it's still intermittent you're still then going to your different clubs some in the same country some mm-hmm. not and yeah I think that that level of chemistry and connectivity with the manager is definitely of, of fundamental importance and hopefully continues yeah. to be strong, continues to be good. I would say Carly Lloyd and Megan Rapino are continuing to be good, which is my way of transitioning right. to their performance last <laughs> night. Uh, they did some goal scoring. They did some assisting. I thought they combined really well. They interchanged spots on a number of occasions. How much of the solidness of their performance was them getting their sort of customary sharpness back and them having that pre-existing relationship? And how much of it was the opponent being Argentina? I would say both. You're right mm-hmm. with that. It is a little bit of not only those two 
I mean, we we could run tape after tape of and fil- all this film about how clinical those two are in the attacking third. And I think it does take they haven't been playing too many games in the last year for either one of them. Megan Rapinoe didn't play for club last year. So you have to bring that into account as well, as far as her, uh, yeah, her, um, I I think just adaptation of getting back into playing solid minutes. And I, I would imagine that's a little bit of the reason why she didn't play that much in the second game, just to not overload her too quickly. Uh, I thought they showed how, deadly they can be how they can connect with each other and and unselfish as well you could you could tell they were having like a little bit of fun trying to get each other an assist and um you you like to see that you like to see that in those moments when it matters those those types of players who are the goal scoring players aren't going to sacrifice an open goal to to just get the shot off on their own Mm -hmm. that they're willing to play that extra pass and find the open player and, you know, that might seem like a small thing, but it is really huge that they have that awareness in those moments. And um, I really loved that little pass from Carly Lloyd to Megan Rapino for the goal. I thought that was brilliant and just showed a little bit of their chemistry together. So it definitely could then be a things can be two things. They're both very, very good. Argentina, not as good. I, I do feel like Argentina yeah. after the first couple of minutes sat deeper, bunkered a little bit more. I think that was more because they had to, not necessarily because they're they're good at that. And I do feel like there were chances for the U.S. that came from Argentina making mistakes that stronger opponents maybe wouldn't, which to me begs the question, let's say the U.S. were playing a, like a very, like Germany or France or whomever, mm-hmm. like a very good team, but let's say that very good team chose to be defensive. They went the Diego Simeone route and they went very, very bunkered. Who are the yeah. players on the team you think are most capable of passing their way through that or dribbling through it or finding a way through? Who can create the most against a very defensive opponent, do you think? Yeah, I think that in those situations, I would keep I probably would keep Carly Lloyd centrally as that center player, just because she, I feel like she did do a good job of occupying the center backs and um, maybe she could pull off the back line and almost create as a midfielder if need be. But then when I'm thinking about creative players in the attack, I'm thinking Rose Lavelle is part of that group. Kristen Press is part of that group. I was really impressed with those two and their rotations on the right side and how they were able to unlock some of that deeper block of Argentina. I think on the, the left side, I'm, I'm curious and not even, I mean, Megan Rapinoe it, did a, a great job, but I'm wondering who else could fill in that that spot of how do you unlock that defense? Because I think Lindsey Haran, Haran would be great, but we have, also have to remember Sam Mewis wasn't even in this camp, and mm-hmm. she is one of those players who can connect in, in tight spaces. So um, I would say it's a hard one. Gosh, Taylor, this is so hard. <laughs> um, but it was a good – it was a good it- – Go ahead. I was going to say, I think, I think, like, I'm surprised I'm agreeing with you about Carly Lloyd, but I, I just did see yeah. th- that familiarity with her and Megan Rapinoe seemed to be a very strong aspect of the attacking performance from the U.S. Because there were those moments when right. maybe we should have scored, maybe there should have been a through ball that did, that happened but didn't, and sort of the way they were able to combine. There's even Carly Lloyd like like doing a little bit of what we've been talking about with on that left side. 
like uh who was it in the was it it was Kristen Press I think in the second game it was Megan Rapinoe last night but that sort of rotation where the central midfielder goes wide and the wide player goes yeah. central sometimes both like Rapinoe and the central midfielders would stay central and it was Lloyd who would drift wide and I felt like that was yeah to your point the relationship with Megan Rapinoe and the kind of knowing when to switch how to get the other one at assist and I think that relationship was pretty strong especially if it's not based on having to deal with a very fast and physical team uh, and then Rose yeah. Lavelle can pick a part of defense. I, I wouldn't disagree with I that know. either. And the thing, we, I remember last game we were talking about, we were really impressed with Alex Morgan and her ability to hold the ball up. And uh, she had really solid touches against Brazil. And I really liked the way she played. But I do think Alex Morgan thrives a little bit when, a little bit more when she has more space in behind. Mm-hmm. So I think that that could potentially, using Carly Lloyd in those games could help problem solve a little bit. And then it opens up just depending on how the team, the opposing team is playing. If you get one goal and then they have to open up a little bit, then you bring Alex Morgan in and she might be able to spring in behind the defense Mm -hmm. or connect with a little bit more space in between the lines. And so I think that that's just a, it makes sense as far as the potential substitutions and in the way a game could go if you, you get a goal against a team that is bunkering a little bit more. So that's against the team that would be bunkering. What about if we got, let's say Brazil at the Olympics? Brazil, uh, I think were more of a pressing team than I expected them to be. That continued against Canada mm-hmm. last night as well. If Brazil were playing the United States and they were pressing higher up the pitch, who do you want being responsible for building out of the back and who gives us the best chance to hit yeah. them on the counter? Yeah. It's funny when you, when I was thinking about these questions, Taylor, I was going immediately to the midfield, mm-hmm. I was thinking, okay, who do I want to be midfield? Because I think when you're talking about unlocking a, a defense or even playing out of the back, those are such key players for the U.S. and how they want to play that that's where my brain goes first. Mm-hmm. So I actually went with those three midfielders. I went Julie Ertz, Sam Mewis, and Lindsey Horan. Because I think those three players, when I think of them, all three of them could play at the six. And when you're talking about a player that could play at the six, that is a player who doesn't give the ball up, mm-hmm. who knows what the next pass is, who knows how to uh, switch the point of attack when need be or thread a through ball to find the forward line to escape pressure. And so I think those three players are so good at playing out of pressure that I would I would pick those three. Um, and then I what I really liked in the last game against Brazil, too, and, and in those moments where they did press a little higher is what – Kristen Press and Alex Morgan did in their defensive shape, how they Kristen Press tucked inside and did a little bit more work centrally as almost another additional midfielder in there. And then Alex Morgan was that outlet pass. And then when you get those two then springing into the attack in more of a counter way, they can run by a lot of people. And so I, those would be the two of the players that I would choose to to you utilize with their ability not only to defend but then get forward in the opposite direction. I'm going to ask you to speak for Vlatko again here when I ask based on some of the names we've already okay. talked about. Who do you think is his number one name on the team sheet? I'm incl- I'm inclined to assume it's either Julie Ertz or Becky Sauerbrunn. Maybe Alyssa Nair, but I feel mm-hmm. like it's it's the the two outfield players first. Well, what would what would your guess be on that one? Yeah, when you when you said that, my first thought was Julie Ertz. Yeah, just because. I can't. I, oh, I wrote. She it started down. every that game. Her, <laughs> would be a good reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She started. That was her first full ninety. She hadn't played in eleven games. So she had ten straight wow. full nineties, and then she got taken out last game. 
So that's pretty incredible. And, well, <laughs> so from what you know about it, sorry, sorry, to, solidified that spot. Sorry to interrupt you. I just wanted to ask. Okay. Based on that, like the intensity we've talked about with her, is there a chance she was mm-hmm. annoyed that she didn't get a full ninety, or do you think she was okay with it this one time? She, honestly, I. That's a great question. I don't know. She might have been annoyed, <laughs> but she might have also been tired. And That's just true. Been like, all right, you go run around, kid. <laughs> <laughs> Um, she also, I think you alluded to this earlier, uh, had some communication moments, uh, with the, the, the clip I I posted to Twitter of her reminding the right side that they needed to rotate. It was pretty telling that as soon as Kelly O'Hara went out, we stopped seeing some of Mm -hmm. those rotations, some of those patterns of play. Like, Mm -hmm. and it did sort of emphasize your point that it feels like that's a thing they can do if Kelly O'Hara is there on the right hand side. And if she's not, they're going to struggle. I, I don't think, uh, uh, Emily Sonnet, though I do do very much enjoy her on the team, it didn't seem like she was as capable of that. Are there any other players you think who can do that? Or is it just Kelly O'Hara again with the reps and the consistency and the chemistry that knows how to do it? On the right side, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, gosh, it's hard because when Crystal Dunn and Casey Kruger, I think both have the ability to do that. But I do think that those are left-sided players. And maybe Crystal Crystal could play on the right side. Uh, and do that. And then Casey could do that same mm-hmm. job on the left as a lefty. But I just, um, there's, there's no one at this moment on the right side that we've seen, I think that accomplishes what Kelly O'Hara does because she can read what's in front of her and um, is such a good decision maker in in quick moments and is, a, is able to adapt according to how the players in front of her run or don't run. And so I think that that is, it's a really hard skill to teach. You just have to perform it. You have to get to know where the players in front of you like to run. And she's done that for years now. And so that's why when she's out there, it just looks so smooth. Yeah. She also stood out to me from her positioning. Uh, the one that stood out was there's a throw in for Argentina, like on the right hand side, their right hand side, Argentina's near their own corner flag. And I saw Kelly O'Hara maybe 30 yards away from that. And then I looked around and realized like the entire U.S. team was all on one half of the field and then on one uh-huh. half of half of the field. Is that a new development? Yeah. Is that a new thing under Vladko? Is that a thing they've been doing for a while? Cause that sort of, the numbers being crammed into that into that space to totally nullify any sort of build out was was a pretty yeah. exciting development in my book. That is interesting. You mentioned that because in the first game of this tournament, I noticed the same thing. The U.S. had seven players tucked into like the corner between the the yeah, 18 yeah. and the sideline, and it was crazy the number of players they had there. And it's almost this like four check. It's not they're not counter pressing. They're they're showing their presence in a moment of potential outlet for the other team. And they are very confident that they'll, even if a team gets out of there, they're going to be able to recover into the space quicker than the other team is going to attack, which shows you the confidence that they have. And I I noticed Kelly O'Hara's positioning too. And she defensively, what I think is really interesting is as the U S is maybe switching the ball from the right to the left, She's tucking so far inside. She's almost looking like a midfielder that if she gets the ball centrally, she can play make there when the U.S. do have the ball. Or if the space is out wide, as the ball then shifts back from the left to the right, she's pulling herself wide and trying to get in the channel. It's really smart positioning from her, and she's just noticing where the space is developing for 
in front of her. And I'm telling you, I, I really feel like she just sees the game at that position mm-hmm. different than any other player that's on the roster right now. Are there any other big takeaways from you from from this iteration of the She Believes Cup as we head towards the Olympics? I think that, I, I, I mean, I, I mentioned this earlier. I wish Vaca would have maybe been a little bit taken a few more risks mm-hmm. in the bigger games, maybe that game against Brazil where they still, I, Brazil challenged them, but I don't think it was the same. In my opinion, it wasn't the same challenge that Canada gave to them. And so maybe made a goalkeeper change. Maybe uh, I would have liked to see Casey Kruger in one of those fr- first two games, but if she was dealing with a knock, you know, that's not really in their control. I think that he played a, a lot of players and maybe got some answers as far as depth goes with the players that he has. And I kind of wrote everybody down. And I think right now they're at like 15. I, I wrote through 15 players that I would, if I was choosing my Olympic roster today, I, I'm solid on 15 players. So that really makes three other players who who's going to earn those spots. And I think that's what has to be done. You have to give all of those players ample opportunity right now to try to see if they can earn a way onto this roster. Are there any... And do you want me to name some of those players? That, yeah, that and I then I want to ask you about the players that aren't on that list as well. Yeah. So right now, goalkeepers, I would say Jane Campbell and Alyssa Nair, just because those are the ones he's been playing. Um, Jane has been the second one. Um, in the back, Abby Dahlkemper, Tierna Davidson, who I thought played well last night. I, I, there was a different pace to the possession and switching the point of attack when Tierna was in there. And you could see just how solid she is in her possession. So I like her and she can play both outside back and center back. Uh, Becky Sauerbrunn, Kelly O'Hara, Crystal Dunn um, into the midfield, Sam Mewis, Lindsay Horan, Rose Lavelle, Julie Ertz. And then I have Carly Lloyd, Megan Rapino, Kristen Press and Alex Morgan. So those are the fifth team that I have. And then the ones that I that aren't listed in there, Sophia Smith, Midge Purse, uh, Casey Kruger, Lynn Williams, Christy Mewis, Emily Sonnet, Mal Pugh, who wasn't in camp, but mm-hmm. I think there are times when when Lynn Williams was in positions and you know, I would have been interested to see what Mal Pugh could have done in those positions. Uh, Jessica McDonald what hasn't been in camp as of recently, she'd be one I would be interested in. Uh, Kristen Hamilton is a player in NWSL who does really well as, as a front runner. Could she fill that winger spot that um, I think is a little bit up, up in the air. And then Katarina Macario, does she have um, the ability to get to that place and that level? I mean, she is a, a skilled player. I just don't quite see it yet integrating into how this U S team plays uh, so those are kind of the other players that I have that we either saw in this camp or we didn't see in this camp. And there's some good players to be picking from. <laughs> there are. you didn't, And we didn't even get to Tobin Heath, who obviously missed, the one, missed oh this gosh, one due to I injury. I didn't even put Tobin Heath on there. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I was going to ask, is she on the automatic <laughs> list or is she on the wait and see list based on uh, her return to fitness? Well, if she's fit, she's on the list. There we go. That's what I kind of figured. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Oof. So now wow. we're at 16. We got to. I spaced that. We got some trade. Well, I mean, she wasn't there. I, I think it's it's easy. Right. Like when you have so many names and so many things going on, it's easy to like if the person's mm-hmm. not there due to injury, it's easy to kind of forget them until they come mm-hmm. back. And 
We may right. still will be doing that about another player that I'm not remembering. But uh, for now, we've got our 16 of the 18. So Vlatko's got some tough choices ahead. My final question for you, and I kind of hesitate to ask this, but I, I honestly would ask this if it were on the men's side of things, if this happened. I saw Kristen Press get her hair pulled last night. The official did not, uh, didn't call it. But Kristen Press kind of stopped and expected a call to happen. No call given. She comes out in the second half with the hair and the bun. And I'm assuming that those two things are related. <laughs> uh, is, is that, but I think the question I guess I'm asking is like, it had never occurred yeah. to me. Like my coach when I was 13, I think taught me some of the dark arts of like untying a shoelace on a corner kick. It didn't occur to me right. how different the dark arts would be between the men's game and the women's game. Is that a thing you've had to experience? Is hair pulling a common thing or is that a verboten thing? No one does that. And if you do, you've broken the unwritten rule. I think it happens. It actually has it happened to me in a, in a pretty bad way. I got a red card for pulling someone's hair, but let me just tr- talk you through what? it, Taylor. Let me talk you through it. Let me talk you through what? it. I was playing. I was a, I was a center forward. I was a center forward, and I was trying to, you know, when you like swim your arm around somebody, yeah, and try to like get their shoulder. Yeah. Well, I'm five nine. I'm pretty much one of typically one of the tallest players on the field when I am playing. And this defender was much shorter than me, and I just missed her shoulder and I couldn't stop my arm. Right. You're like, you're pulling pretty hard oh. and my hand got caught in her hair and it, yeah, it was not good. So I got a red card for that. Um, wow. But I, it wasn't just like a, I'm going to pull your hair. Right. Yeah. Like you're, I mean, we've seen some of that. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember the BYU oh, yeah. girl who was doing that. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I mean, that happens, but it's not really, I don't, I think that is a uh, few and far between people who actually yeah. try to go for the hair pull. But if you're Kristen Press and you're fast, you're as fast as she is and you're beating people on the dribble and they ever try to use that as a technique, I would put my hair up in a bun too. Yeah, I think I would as <laughs> I'd well. I'd be like, you're not stopping me. <laughs> <laughs> I am Jordan. So like, now you get my red card story. Well, see, here's my question. <laughs> this is, this is kind of like, I'm glad you brought up the BYU player because for a minute I was like, oh no, <laughs> was that Jordan? <laughs> like, do, do I need to go back and make sure? Uh, yeah. Yes. No, that was not. That wasn't. <laughs> how many? How many red cards in your playing career? I think I got two. Uh, one, no, so one straight red. One that was my only straight red, mm-hmm. and then the other one I got was in NWSL. Um, I had a yellow. I was on a yellow card, and it was mistaken identity. And my se- for my second yellow, Tori Houston was on my team, and mm-hmm. she's like. We kind of, I don't know. I don't think we look like she's redheaded and I'm kind of redheaded, but not, not like Tori. And she fouled this girl and I was like running back and the ref turned to me and gave me the, the yellow card. I think I have a picture of it, of Lori Lindsay's face when that happened, when I got my second yellow and, and the red card, cause she was standing right there and she was in shock, like so mad at the ref because it was, she gave the, the card to the wrong person. So um, it was mm-hmm. at Providence Park in front of the, thorns faithful so i had a big uh earful of booze as i walked myself to the locker room <laughs> i also noticed the 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 double yellow is mistaken identity the first one was accidental hand placement jordan i, f- I feel like there's there's some like uh i don't know how this possibly could have happened moments yeah. here i know there there i don't either Just... i mean i'm sure my first my first yellow card was definitely <laughs> me fouling someone <laughs> Man, I, but we're just gonna leave it at there, Taylor. We're gonna leave fine. it at that. Okay? That's fine. I will. I will ask you th- <laughs> this final one, and then I will. And okay. then I will stop asking you questions. Did you get like I, I got 
not many cards, I think, because I was like, I, I would get sort of like freaked out. Like if I did get a yellow, it, it had like an impact where I would sort of be in my head for mm-hmm. the rest of the game. I'm going to assume that at like professional level, you're more used to that. But is it sort of a jarring moment when you get a card or are you able to just roll right through it? Oh my gosh, I would. I got so many cards. Okay, I rolled right through it. <laughs> I was like, "That's a dumb call." Or, okay, okay, yeah, I totally found them. You know, I, you know, I'm sure refs hated me at the time, but um, I forget who it is. I think it's Gordy Howe, the the hockey mm-hmm. player who always got like a goal and assist in a fight or something. <laughs> and I felt like that was me. Like I would get a goal and a yellow card pretty much any time. I go. would score a goal i also had a yellow card so um yeah i couldn't it couldn't have one without the other the angeli brace right there the goal <laughs> the goal on the card right. uh, well jordan thank you for joining me throughout the she believes cup uh yeah. to talk to the US women's national team uh we will have to do it again have to do it again during the olympics Whew, easy for me to say but also i'd like to have you back on just to talk about both men's and women's soccer to do some more analysis of games and things like that which i know that you and you and joe do on mls assist but what else have you got uh going on in the near future yeah, I I would love to come back on. So I accept that invite. Yeah. And just thank you for having me. This has been yeah. so much fun chatting about the women's team. I get to work with them a lot, but I don't get to talk about them as much as I would like to. So it's fun breaking those things down. Let's see, what do I have going on? I am getting ready for MLS season to start. So um, I've been at home with my family in the off season, which has been so nice. So I'm going to head back out to Columbus pretty soon and get ready for that and trying to work my way into maybe some Olympic qualifying games, calling some of those games or Mm -hmm. calling some games for champions league. So we'll see. Wow. All right. It's all starting though. It's all very exciting. All right. Well, well, Jordan, thank you again for, for taking all the time. Uh, I very much appreciate it. I'm sure our listeners do as well. Thanks. 